It is good to be together today. Uh, those of you who are new to Restoration Church, we are having services in multiple places in New Hampshire, in Dover, in Plymouth, and in Londonderry. And uh, not only are we expecting and anticipating God to do amazing things in our services today, but it is um, NFL playoffs as well. And so those of us who are Patriots fans are excited about that 105 kickoff. Now, there are Fans of other football teams that are part of our church, we don't discriminate any of them. And so lots of different fans. The reason we're not talking about their teams today is because all of them are eliminated from the playoffs. So it's only the Patriots for us to talk about. And uh, so anyway, we just all, you know, just all kind of cheer on our local home team together. That's the core value, together. So uh, last week we started a series called Begin Again. In this entire series, we're going to be in the book of Joshua. And we were uh, part of last week, we talked about for you to start reading your Bible if you've never done that before, and even to read the book of Joshua. If you did that, then you'll be familiar with the story, uh, the historical account that we're about to read. And, uh, and, and you, if you've never read the story before, there, there could be questions that you have. And hopefully, We'll answer some of those today, but if not, you can post in our We Are Restoration Facebook group and um, post your questions there, and I'll take time during halftime to, uh, to answer any questions uh, that you might have. Now, last week, we, so we looked at the series, the kind of the big idea for the series is God was calling the, 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 nation, the people of Israel, the people of God, to go forward and to get the promised land. And they had already really kind of attempted that once 40 years prior, but they were fearful, they were disobedient, they had unbelieving hearts, and so they never were able to enter the land of rest, the land of promise that God had for them. But now, when Moses had died, God called a new leader, Joshua, to begin again what he told them to do, to to go out, and to receive the promised land. And so we talked about that last week. And um, so if you didn't listen to that, you can listen to that on, online. But we're going with the same idea. Because the book of Joshua, and for the next 20 years, Joshua and, uh, and the people of Israel, it, it took them to receive all of the land that God had for them. Now, the question that we can ask and maybe even last week, you begin to think, all right, I can do this. I can go after what God has for me. And you begin in your heart to say, you know what, God, maybe, maybe I can go after that again. Maybe I can try to do that again. Maybe there's something that can be saved here. Maybe there's something that can be different here. As you walk out of the building, even excited and, and believing, you can uh, very quickly go home you can very quickly go back to work. You can very quickly get back to life and just become discouraged again and say, you know what, I just don't know. I just don't know if it can happen. Also, you could have been hearing everything that we talked about last week and begin to think, that's good for everybody else, but it's not good for me. That's good for church people, but it's not good for me. God can use anybody else, but he could never use me because of so much, because of the terrible things in my past, because of ter- the terrible things that I've done. And Here's kind of a big thing about, about the good news of Jesus Christ and, and the, the gospel that we preach at Restoration Church. Jesus died for all. He came to earth. He died on the cross for humanity, 
for those of us who um, kind of uh, live morally right, for those of us who have lived completely uh, immorally, he came for all. And his promises are for all. His forgiveness is offered to all. His salvation is offered to all. And that's even you. And when we begin to read this passage of Scripture and look at this passage of Scripture, it begins to show us, and hopefully it'll begin to show you, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, maybe, maybe there is something that you could do in my life. Maybe there is a way that you could forgive me. Maybe there is a way that you could use me. And, um, and so the passage of Scripture we're going to read, and you can go ahead and turn there, is in the book of Joshua. It's going to be in, in chapter 2. And you can hold that open. We'll look at a couple different scriptures in this passage. And the question, it's kind of to think through is, can, how do you begin again? Or how do you start serving God after you've really lived far from him? Maybe after you've screwed up so badly. How do you start now to live for God, to pursue God, and, uh, and, and to go after that? Well, the part we're about to read is, uh, is about a lady named Rahab, and she's, fa- she's mentioned a few times in Scripture, and every time when they mentioned her, at this part when they mention her, they're talking about her and her profession. She, look in your Bibles, it will refer to her as Rahab the prostitute. And that was her profession. She was in the city, that was, the city of Jericho, and that was a pagan city. And a pagan city means that 100% of the city did not serve God. And they worshipped false gods. They, uh, Jericho is famous for child sacrifice. They were also famous for, um, for prostitution. And they would, um, uh, through prostitutes, they would use that as a way to worship their gods. So this is Rahab's life. This is what she lives in. And she is the main focus of the passage we're about to read. Now what happens is Joshua, who's a leader, he's been told by God, all right, it's time to go forward and get the promised land. He's 100% ready. He's absolutely, I've been waiting for this. And, and he sends out two guys to go and to kind of spy out the land. It's been a long time since Joshua himself has been in there. Let's figure out where they are. Let's figure out kind of where they're located, what's going on. So these two guys, they enter the city of Jericho, and we're not sure exactly why, but they enter the house of Rahab. So potentially, they're not very uh, ethical guys themselves as they're hanging out in the house of a prostitute, Um, but they're there, and the, the town, the city, knows that these two guys are there, and the mayor of Jericho sends, uh, sends soldiers to the house of Rahab and says, hey, give us those guys that have entered your house. And what happens next? Rahab begins to lie to her mayor. She begins to lie to her own city, and she begins to protect and defend these two outsiders. Why she would ever do that, um, well, why... Uh, you know, we know kind of why, because we've read the end of the story here, but, but to begin thinking through, why would she ever do that? Why would she be disloyal to the city she's grown up in? Why would she be uh, uh, disloyal to her, her mayor? What is going on? What's her motivation? 
but she hides the two spies on the roof of her house, and she tells the soldiers they left a long they left a, a while ago. They went this direction and sends the soldiers out after them, and then she goes and talks to the spies and begins to tell them, hey, they've come looking for you. I've sent them this direction. You need to go here and hide. Hide there for three days and then return back to where you came from. So here she is now protecting and defending two men that she uh, that don't believe like her, don't think like her, um, don't look like her. And um, when we start to begin to read the story. An interesting thing here, we're going to start reading in verse number nine. And what we're about to read is Rahab speaking to the spies. And last week we talked about this, failure is not your future. And when we begin to read, it's almost like Rahab is saying this to the spies. Um, Because they're setting out and Joshua knows that victory is his by the hand of God, but maybe these two spies don't. And they're trying to figure out what's going to happen, and they're trying to gather intel. Rahab speaks to these spies and declares over them, your failure is not your future. Listen and see if you can hear it. In verse number nine, Rahab says, I know the Lord has given you this land. So we didn't find this very hard to find that. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. So she says, hey, failure is not your future. Why? Because you have God. She's not recognizing God as her God. She's not recognizing uh, uh, God as uh, someone she's devoted to. She just says, hey, listen, we've seen what's happened. We've heard about what's been done. And your God is the great God. It's a lot greater than anything that we serve or believe in here. She says to them, failure is not your future. And that's great for us. We think, well, yeah, it's the Israelites. They've got God on their side. But failure is not your future as we begin to see, even for Rahab, who has never followed God, has never lived for God, has never lived any way that looked um, uh, right toward God, failure is not the, not the future even for her. We don't know what led her to uh, a life of prostitution, but one thing that we do see is that Rahab was the type of person that religious people love to judge. The way she lived, the way she acted, the, the religious beliefs that she had, it would have been very easy for the spies to judge her. It would have been very easy even for God to judge her. But Rahab is the type of people that Jesus loves to rescue. We don't know why. I mean, really, if you think, why did Joshua send the spies? He didn't have to. There was no command to do that. There was no reason they had to go to Jericho. We don't know why they went to the house of Rahab. But as a pastor and as people who follow Jesus, our belief, to me, what's most logical is this. God knew Rahab was there. God knew her heart. And he 
he sent the spies there. He made the plan because he knew that Rahab was there and he wanted to rescue her. I mean, I, you can try to come up with an, another reason beyond that, but that's just the one that seems most right to me. God knew Rahab lived in that city and God was after her. God knows what city you live in and he's after you. He is after you. He doesn't, he's not forgotten you. He, he, and really, he doesn't care about your past. He cares about your future. And the reason someone who invited you today, the reason you showed up to church for the first time in your life um, is just this. You're the type of person Jesus loves to rescue. And you may be living morally right, but men in your heart, you know you are far from God. He loves you. He is after you. Now let's look at Rahab. Now how did she, because what happened is her life completely changed. Her life completely changed after this moment. She went to the spies, she sent them on the direction, but she made a pact with them. And she began to ask them, hey, could you spare me and my family? We know you're going to come, we know you're going to destroy us but will you save me and my family? Here's what Rahab did to begin again, to start her life all over. First thing that she did is she began to believe differently. Now we just read the part where she said, hey, we have seen all of the things that your God has done. She lived in a pagan city. No one she knew served and followed God. She was someone who believed the stories of God. She said, we have heard of what had happened, how you crossed over dry land from, uh, and crossed the Red Sea. We have heard what you did to the Amorite kings, and we are melting in fear. We're terrified. Those things happened 40 years ago. Here's Rahab, who may not even have been born when those events happened, but she believed those stories. Now, an interesting thing happens here in her heart in this story because she fully believed that God would destroy them, but something in her head began to say, but maybe he would save me. And her, her belief changed. Not that she began to, to think differently, maybe God doesn't want to destroy me, but maybe God might rescue me. And in verse number 12, she says to the spies, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. Where does she, where does she get off to make this kind of request? I mean, sure, she saved them, but doesn't, doesn't she know these are, these are the people of God and she's living in a pagan city? Doesn't she know that the you know that um, that her profession is not allowed at all in, uh, in, in amongst the people of Israel? But her belief began to change. Her thoughts begin to change, and for her to just say, "Hey, the rest of my life is inevitable. It is just destruction for me. It is just heartache for me." Um, she began to say, "Wait a minute." Could I be saved? All she, has to, all she has to go by is what she's heard 
spoken about God, but yet that was enough for her to be willing to lay her life on the line. She could have said when they left, she could have gone to a mayor, she could have gone to, the, to, her, to her city and begin to warn everybody about what was coming and try to put her trust in their own armies. But instead she lays her life in the line to say, wait a minute, God, is there, is there, is there a way that you could save me from this? Is there a way you can take me out of this life? Is there anything you can do for me? And really her, her language is saying this, I want to be saved. For those of us in our services today, there's a moment in our life where we identify that for many of us. Well, as we look at our life and look at our heart and, and look at where we are, we then look toward the heavens and we say to Jesus, hey, I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to be changed. I want to follow you. Is there anything, is there any way that you would receive me, that you would forgive me, that you would rescue me? Every person who prays that prayer to God, he rescues. And Rahab prayed that, and her, her future was changed. Her entire life was changed. She said, um, talking about her entire city, our hearts are melting. She spoke for an entire city, and an entire city believed the stories of God. The entire city believed it. But only one came to the place that said, hey, but God, would you rescue me? Doesn't, it, and, and for you, you think, well, my family, well, well you, you know, our history, there's no way God could do anything in my life. There's no way God would do anything for my family. Listen, you just need to begin to ask. But what happened is, Rahab, what we see is she wasn't the only person who believed, but she began to believe differently. And then she didn't just believe, but now she began to behave differently. This is not merely behave, as you might associate with church, just on the exterior, make sure everything looks right, just behave. Because Rahab didn't behave. She has committed treason She's harboring spies. Uh, she is, um, uh, she's lying. She's not behaving. But yet she's acting in a way that to her culture is going to say, hey, you're, you're acting the wrong way. But in her heart, she knows this is the way that's going to lead me to salvation. To behave differently is to go after what God has for you. Not to sit back passive, not to just keep living the life that you're currently living, but to go after what God has for you. So she gathered her family, stuck them all in this tiny apartment for days and days. The spies told her, hey, we're going to give you this red cord. You need to hang it on your window and have it hanging out. She lived on the wall of the city, and that's how we're going to know 
that uh, where you live, and I will tell our armies not to attack that area. And so she did. She behaved differently. She hung a red cord on our window. And through her believing differently, through her behaving differently, we read in Joshua chapter 6 that her family was saved. And what happened in Jericho is the entire walls of the city collapsed except for the part where Rahab lived. She was spared. As you begin to say, you know what, I'm going after what God has for me. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to begin again. I'm going to go after this that seemed impossible before. I'm going to go after what God has for me. I'm going to just act differently than maybe anybody else does because I'm going to do what, I'm going to go after what God has for you. Many people will try to get you to quit. Could be other church people, could be people you work with, could be your family. Say, hey, don't you, do you think this is a bit much? They'll try to get you to live mediocre. Don't make me uncomfortable. Don't put pressure on me. Don't expose the weaknesses of my own life. They'll try to get you to live like them. They won't always encourage you to live the way God wants you to live. Now, the real faith that says, God, I am living for you, I am following you, a real faith says, I will obey God rather than obey men. I will make God happy and not be concerned about making others happy. In James chapter 2, another spot in the Bible, James was the brother of Jesus. And he mentions Rahab, who, was over 3, 000, who lived over 3,000 years before he did. And he mentions her. In the, in the book of James that you can read in the New Testament. And he says this, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. What James loved to talk about in his book is that if you say you have faith in God, and you say you're following God, then you live differently. You behave differently. You act differently because of the good news you've received, because of the love and forgiveness you've received. You, um, your life and the things that you do look different than anybody else's. And if your life doesn't look different than the, the city of Jericho that you're living in, if your life doesn't look different than the city in New Hampshire or Maine that you're living in, then have you received salvation and forgiveness? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus? Or are you just kind of adopting some religious philosophy? The person who makes a decision to follow Jesus, their, their works and actions of their life are different because of the faith they have in their heart. It cannot be separated. We believe different. We behave different. And then what happens is we be begin to see in Rahab's life is that she, she becomes someone different. She's remembered as someone different. She had been living as a prostitute, but then once she's saved, she begins to live as a proselyte, which is someone who's converted, someone who's 
change their life. And what happens is in Matthew chapter 1, 5, um, it tells us in the genealogy of Jesus that Rahab is now someone whose name is listed as, as part of the family tree of Jesus. And they could have, and we would think like maybe the Bible should have left that out. But where in the Bible it's listing male name after male name after male name, all of a sudden it says, and Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. She is the great, 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 great grandmother to Jesus. She believed different. She behaved different. She's remembered different. In the Bible, when it now, when in the New Testament, where it mentions her as Rahab the prostitute, they don't do that to demean her. They just want everybody to, to remember her testimony. Remember who she was. Remember what God did. Remember who she was. Now look and see what God did. She was someone who could have been destroyed but she was someone that God rescued. She was a harlot who became a hero. Now she had a heritage. She has a heritage that we are talking about this morning. This life that Jesus has for you, this is a life that changes a family tree. It says it doesn't matter what everybody else has done. It doesn't matter how many years of history you've, you, you, you know, uh, uh, how many times your family's been featured on, on the news. It doesn't matter how many times um, you've messed up in these areas. God says, hey, I'm inviting you to begin again. Start a brand new life, knowing me, following me, being changed and helped by me. And this was something that Rahab received and stepped into. And this is something you can receive today as well. You just say, listen, I've always heard the stories of God, but this is the first time where I'm going to make a decision to believe it as true for myself. Something in your heart says, I don't just believe God's far away, but I believe God knows me. Something says, I don't believe God wants to destroy me, but I believe God wants to rescue me. Something in your head say, says, I don't believe that I'm good enough, but I believe that I need forgiveness through Jesus. Something changes. Then you begin to behave differently. As you begin to read a Bible, you begin, it seems crazy, but you begin to talk to God. You begin to confess. You begin to tell God about the areas in your life where, where, you've, uh, where you've been disobedient to him, where you've sinned, where you've done the wrong thing, and you ask him to forgive you. What happens is, little by little, your life seems to be resettled into a new area. The way you talk slowly begins to change. The way you believe definitely begins to change. Your understanding of God all of a sudden just, it just envelops your entire life. 
because you're able to see. As Rahab, you know, when she left, she, it said she lived in, in the nation of Israel for the rest of her life. And every day she woke up, new career, new family, new gone, overwhelmed by the goodness to know I didn't deserve any of this. I didn't deserve any of this. But yet God gave it all to her. She didn't deserve to be in the lineage of Jesus, but yet God was showing her his, good, his goodness. There's another famous guy in the Bible, Boaz, that you may have heard of. Um, his mom was Rahab. Her, just her life changes. She, she lived as a prostitute, but now she raised Boaz, who himself shown kindness and generosity to other people. She just, everything about her and her family and her heritage changed because she said, hey, would your God rescue me? If you close your eyes, I want to take a moment and pray for you. Question for you is, how will you be remembered? someone who is following the Lord and just your life is going to show his goodness for, for generations or you'll be remembered just for all of your mistakes but you won't be remembered for God's restoration if you're here and you've you would say, you know what, I'm living a moral life. I don't have a lot of failures. I don't have a lot of things that, uh, that are horrifying in my past. Um, one thing you have to begin to ask yourself, are you someone who's full of just a religious pride? When Rahab was before the spies, well, how did the spies respond to her? You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Why are, they, why, why are we letting someone like that settle in our, in our promised land? Uh, we can begin to look at other people and say, God could never save them. I don't want people like them in, in our church. I don't want people like them in, in my circle. I, and we begin to put down other people. That's not our God. That's not the heart of God coming from your lips. That's sin. And you need to ask for God to give you a heart for his people. The same heart that he has for people. Jesus, we ask today, some of us for the first time, could you save me? Could you rescue me? We know and we read in the Bible that it is your plan to rescue us, that's why you came. And so we ask with our mouth for you to forgive us, for you to save us, for you to be our Lord and our God. We make a decision today to follow you. Lord, we've begun to believe different. I pray you help us to behave different. May we live and act like Jesus not judgmental, not arrogant, not prideful, not religious, 
but with a soft heart for people who are far from you, with opening arms to receive people into the kingdom of God as brothers and sisters in Jesus. We'll serve alongside together, live alongside of each other, praising you, worshiping you together. Jesus, thank you for moving in our hearts. Thank you for inviting us to begin again. Amen.